some of you will know, our dreams to have a fourth child were shattered all in a matter of a few hours. I went in by myself during lockdown, level four, just a few months back in Delta lockdown, Thursday the 26th of August, just over 12 weeks ago, for my routine 12-week scan. The first scan of this pregnancy. I'd had a few things crop up within the first trimester, but nothing to suspect anything was wrong entirely. It did, however, make me feel a little bit anxious about it all. For some reason, there was something that felt a little bit different. However, these were still just normal pregnancy symptoms. I'd been feeling very sick, very tired. My baby bump was also beginning to show earlier than past pregnancies. I thought this was due to it being our fourth child. You sort of loosen up a wee bit. <laughs> In the last couple of um, weeks before the scan, I began to experience some heart palpitations where my heart was pounding and racing in my chest a bit like it is now. And I was finding myself a bit short of breath. Just while sitting down doing nothing, or even just after I'd hot, hopped into bed at night, and Nigel can vouch for that. Again, I put this down to being pregnant and tired. My throat hurt from the frequent vomiting and was starting to bleed. We actually wondered if I was carrying twins because I was feeling so sick. So at the scan, very early on, it was evident there was no 12-week baby in the picture. All I noticed was a big stormy looking cloud on the screen. And I'd even worn my contact lenses that day so that my glasses didn't fog up with my mask, which is a big problem. So that I'd be able to see the screen nice and clearly in that beautiful baby. Instead, I was told it was looking like a complete molar pregnancy. I was a bit in shock. I was speechless. I didn't even know what that all meant. What even is a molar pregnancy, I had to ask before I left. I made it back into the car with tears dripping down my face before phoning Nigel with the news. It was lockdown, so I had to be at the scan by myself, and Nigel was at home with the girls. Throughout this whole pregnancy, I had felt God telling me to trust him. Right from the very beginning stages, even at conception, even when I'd had some painless bleeding early on, I felt him saying, trust me. Was this why I didn't question things which may have been out of the normal? In actual fact, everything I experienced was normal. So anyway, when I think back on that now, it makes me question why I thought I should trust him. If this was the outcome when we were wanting another child, surely God would want that too. Children are a blessing. We've done enough to be worthy, haven't we? Why would he tell me to trust in him at the beginning of the pregnancy? to be patient in finding out if I was pregnant, not too hasty with that first test. Um, not to worry when I had some light bleeding. Excuse me. Was I just completely wrong or did I make it up? Romans 8 verse 25 says, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. That's what I was trying to do while trusting God. It's my perseverance that got me in the situation, funnily enough. If it had been caught earlier, I probably could have avoided all this grief. I was trying to persevere, 
I was trying to be faithful and it ended badly and now I can't take any of it back. I was so confused. Anyway, during my scan, I was able to hold it together a lot easier than I expected. God was definitely with me, giving me strength and courage as I was lying there on the bed alone next to the sonographer. I happened to know the sonographer. who was, She was an old work colleague of mine. So this was a comforting factor in that she was able to sympathize and relate to me rather than being a complete stranger, not knowing me. God was with me in that sense, providing a little more familiarity and comfort in an unexpected struggle. I made it home in one piece, awaiting a call from my midwife on what to do next. I'm so grateful for having had such a great supportive midwife. She arranged for me to go to hospital straight away that afternoon for a quick appointment. Those of you who've had hospital appointments will probably know that they're not quick. To discuss the next day's procedure, where they would proceed to remove the mole. So I rocked up to the hospital in a t-shirt. It had been quite a warm day, holding only my phone and wearing my mask, expecting to be home for dinner. I was a bit unprepared, really. Little did I know, once I got to hospital, I wasn't to leave. They decided they wanted an MRI and a chest X-ray to get some better images and find out what was going on and whether there was any invasive growth or spread as the ultrasound had possibly indicated. A few hours later, all tests were completed and I was told the news. So it was a complete molar pregnancy, growing rapidly. My womb was actually the size of what is expected during mid-second trimester or more, and we're sort of right, it was supposed to be right at the end of first trimester, and it was a lot bigger than it should have been. And it was pretty much entirely filled up with this mole. So what is a molar pregnancy? It's where there's no baby growing, only placental tissue, just a big placenta, that continues to grow and grow and grow. It occurs in about one out of 700 pregnancies and is caused by either too little or too much genetic material during conception. Bad luck, really. The tests also showed that my hormones levels were extremely high, which is common for molar pregnancies, but my levels were off the charts, which is why I was feeling so sick. In turn, my thyroid levels were more than double what they should have been as well. This is what caused my heart palpitations and heart issues, all because of the mole. The doctor informing me of all this kindly relayed the information back to Nigel on speakerphone, as he was still at home with the girls who were in bed. Remember, we were in lockdown at the time, and I was by myself at hospital. It was a lot to process, and I was glad the doctor could explain it a second time over the phone. When the doctor reported the results back, who incidentally happened to be a good friend of my eldest sister, yet again, another comfort. She forewarned me that the likely outcome we would face the next day was that I would need a hysterectomy, and it would be done that afternoon. You know it's urgent when you get bumped to the top of the list. Now, normally a hysterectomy is not on the cards for the usual molar pregnancy. I was told that most molar cases they deal with are about the size of an orange. Mine was much, much larger. So for my case, the hysterectomy was not only just an option, but it was definitely the safer, more obvious thing to do. 
Of course, I had to stay in, over, stay in overnight from here on in for the next four nights. By this point, it was raining and cold outside. They definitely did not want me to start bleeding, as there would have been a lot of blood. That may very well have been soon, or possibly even over that weekend, had we not been there, because my surgeon said they could see my uterus contracting during the MRI. And the next morning, I also began to feel it con contracting in places. Anyway, fortunately, Nigel was allowed in that night to visit to bring me a bag of things for my stay at hospital. Although I didn't really get much sleep that night, what with plastic pillowcases and very skinny hard beds and, you know, all the rest. The next morning, it was Friday. We faced an extremely difficult decision whether or not to go ahead with the surgery. So we were still presented with a choice. They tend to like doing that in the hospital. But in the end, we heartbreakingly confirmed the option which had the best outcome for us all as a family. I was scared. I was confused. I was sad. I even worried that God would be disappointed in our decision. Was I supposed to trust him more and choose the more risky procedure? Looking at the size and structure of it, yeah, my post-op appointment two weeks later, it would have been a pretty difficult task to remove the whole thing without copious bleeding, and I would have likely needed a course of chemotherapy in the following months to completely get rid of it. If it weren't to end in emergency surgery, anyway. This would have been along with the regular blood test that I'm still having to do currently to monitor my hormone levels and make sure they remain normal for the next six months. And they've only just dropped back to normal this week. My thyroid was another complicating factor and actually in surgery this caused my heart to race and they had to give me a drug to slow it down so they could proceed. We weren't quite ready to gamble my health as it currently was or what our family was already just so that in time we might be able to have another child, and it would have been quite some time. In the end, I actually was quite sick, and my health had been deteriorating a bit that past week. So we had to face the facts and somehow very quickly accept that the fourth child we were hoping for wasn't going to happen. Definitely not something I was expecting from my 31-year-old self, who up until now has lived a very blessed fairly ordinary life growing up in a stable Christian home with three sisters. There were so many questions I was left with. Excuse me. Was I feeling super sick this pregnancy to put me off the idea of another child? The thought did cross my mind, and actually a few weeks prior I'd, um, I'd thought, man, if this pregnancy doesn't continue, I don't know if I can go through this again. I was not having a good time, and it was not the most enjoyable pregnancy. My previous ones had been, mostly. What would have happened if we chose to have the other usual DNC procedure? What would have happened if we'd done nothing and let nature take its course? Naturally, I was faced with all these questions post-surgery, but I suppose we will never know the answers. Despite the circumstances, the timing of everything seemed really God-led, we definitely felt his courage and strength throughout the entire ordeal. 
God had seemingly placed the right people around us at the right time. I'd happened to wean Josephine the night before all this started. Just the night before. We had no idea this was happening, so that's pretty amazing. Imagine Nigel trying to breastfeed. He would have had a bit of difficulty <laughs> that night. As hard as it was already. Lockdown made it easier for Nigel's parents to come and help too, as they had no other fixed arrangements because of the lockdown, even though we broke our bubble. But this meant Nigel, with special permission from the great doctors at the hospital, he was able to visit me in hospital, hold my hand, be there by my side as we faced the hardest decision of our lives so far. The timing of lockdown also had its advantages for the role we play in church here too. What with band and with mainly music, now, band had a few weeks' relief while we met over Zoom, and then everyone else sort of stepped in quite a lot to help with the band once we were meeting physically. Now, mainly music, where I usually lead up the front each week, started up again after we'd been on hold because of lockdown, level two, and then school holidays, eight weeks later to the day. Now, I remember saying to Nigel a couple of weeks after surgery, wouldn't it be funny if mainly music started up again just as recovery finished? Then we would surely know it was all God's timing. I was told it would take six to eight weeks of healing. And here we are starting up mainly music up again eight weeks later. Now Romans 15 verse 13. I think I've got it up here says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This was the first passage I read once I returned home. The kids were watching some Shine TV, and there was a kid's talk about this very verse. This was, definitely wasn't an easy time, but through trusting in God, we have definitely felt a sense of peace about it all much quicker than if I'd ignored God's nudgings. So do you want to know the name of the child I, I would have I wanted to call our child, should they have existed? <laughs> Assuming they were a girl, of course, to balance out the, the gender balance issues we have here at the moment. There's quite a lot of boys, for those of you who don't know. I'd really felt it on my heart for quite some time. So this name was Abigail. Now, Abigail means father's joy. So instead of us naming our fourth child Abigail, let us all instead be a joy to our heavenly father. May we all be Abigail. Use what we have, use what we have been given to glorify our king and bring him joy. May we all be our father's joy. It's difficult when you see your family over there crying. It makes you cry even more. <laughs> now, the child's middle name was going to be Hope. This was actually my great-grandmother's name. But isn't that a little funny, though? I wanted to name our child Abigail Hope in the first Bible passage I stumbled upon once I returned home from a very long, unexpected weekend of traumatic events was Romans 15, verse 13, telling us that the God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him. 
So I think this might overtake my favorite Bible verse, which is Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe wholeheartedly that he is with us wherever we go. Sometimes we might not feel it, but he is always there. Similarly, Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God and I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I trusted in God. I could choose to feel disappointed in him about giving me false hope, but I try to choose not to. I chose to draw into his strength to help me through what was a shocking, surreal ordeal for us. It all happened so quickly and it was hard to believe it was happening. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now, all these verses that I've mentioned really give us a sense that God is with us in everything. And when we trust in him, he strengthens us, he comforts us, he gives us hope and peace. We need not be afraid. Psalm 147 verse 3 reminds us that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He most definitely does, and without him... Man, physical and emotional healing would be so difficult. It can be so easy to say, to take something like this for granted, and sorry, to take something like this and be angry or disappointed at God. Why? Why have you forsaken me? How could you let this happen? But in actual fact, God doesn't always want these things to happen. But when they do, he holds our hand. He carries us through the storms. He's always ready to strengthen and uphold us. He heals our hearts and our wounds. And he helps us find peace when we trust in him. You know, as we've witnessed this morning, life is so precious. And it's such a privilege to be a part of the body of Christ, the wider church family, and to know God and experience his love and peace. We, the Yofana, feel so, so blessed and loved, and we are so grateful for all the support we have received by you all. For your prayers and your meals and your hugs and your words of encouragement. Now, at the end of week five into recovery, we were hit with another disappointment, and this is slightly less severe, but we found out our eldest, child, our eldest daughter, Emily, missed out on a place at a nearby Christian school. This is something we'd been talking up all year. Poor Emmeline thought she'd, been go she'd be going there next year when everyone asks a four-year-old what school they're going to go to when they turn five. So yet again, our hopes and plans were altered, even though we'd been putting our trust in God. However, we still believe that God is faithful and he is still here with us in those disappointments. He's ready to be called on and able to help us through when we ask for help. And despite our plans turning to custard, we know that he still has a plan. Many other plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19, 21. 
We are learning from our own naivety and still have hope for the future, and we're excited to find out what God has in store for our family of five. Now, I was maybe going to sing you a song that I'd written earlier this year, but I'll leave that for another time. So I'm just going to pray instead. I'll keep you in suspense. So God, thank you for being our strength while we are weak. Thank you for the comfort and peace that you bring. Thank you for healing our broken hearts. Thank you for binding our wounds. May we ever be a joy to you, God, and always believe in your hope and the transformation it can bring. We lift you up. We bring you praise and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, everyone.